0: Hello everybody and welcome to the Talk is City podcast brought to you by the Manchester Evening News. My name is Dan Murphy, and joining me today, back after his holiday, is Mr Simon Bukowski. Si, how are you doing, Pop? Uh,
1: Yeah, good, thanks. Uh, A holiday that didn't involve missing a game, so (laughs) not not that long off, really. Well, I'm
0: sure it flew by, but no recharge, ready to talk all, you know, drive us through the international break and all that entails. And also joining us today, again, is Mr Stu Brennan. Stu, how's it going?
2: Absolutely fine, thanks. And I enjoyed Simon's holiday as well. So
0: <laughs> Well, I miss you, Simon, for one, I can tell you that. You're not gonna get all dogs abuse from everyone on here, don't worry. But first shall we get on to the last game for the international break for City. We've only got one game to talk about for once, and usually it's two, but this time City gets Everton in the quarter final of the FA Cup side. You with a two 0 win, and I think it's pretty much bog standard what you'd expect from a City of the Everton game, really.
1: Yeah, um a bit like the league game. Uh, there last month but Everton were really good I thought they kind of had a plan worked out on how to get City how to unsettle City there were kind of long throws being hurled into the box for every opportunity Ala Cheltenham there were I mean Calvert-Lewin and Richarlison I thought were really really good really pacey a lot of balls in the air which Laporte in particular doesn't really like so it was a really tough challenge for City but they they stuck at it despite not being able to really get at the uh, the third choice Everton keeper because the the whole team and the rest of the defense was so so strong. They kept going and then Maris and De Bruyne came off the bench and and that opened the game up a little more. And uh, and yeah, two two very good goals.
0: What do you reckon to the performance, Stu? Was it a case of getting the job done after such a kind of slog of a few months this year before the international break? Just getting through it. Now they've got well, obviously most of the City's players will be out and about playing for their countries, but for Guardiola at least and a few other players it'll be a time to kind of recharge rest up not quite as an intense two weeks coming and uh, yeah we're kind of refresh ready for the running after in the start of April What was the question being yeah? Oh, well, no, was it? no, no
2: it was. A, it was well, I mean, me I up
0: bloody hell. <laughs> well, wow, I can't put this, can't put this on everybody's CV, can I? Getting made a mug
2: out on the podcast. Wow, you don't want this on your CV anyway, mate. <laughs> no, it was. It was a, it was a, I was going to say it was a good old fashioned cup tie, but it wasn't because there was only one team going for it, really. Mm-hmm. I, I echo what Side said that I thought Everton were really good, and uh, you know, for a long time it looked like they might might pull something off they, they stymied city well they didn't they didn't give them i mean a lot of teams play city by letting them have the flanks and then defending the balls in the box and doing it well but they, they pushed quite tight on the on the city wide men and, and managed to to suppress a threat a lot that way but keeping city out for 90 minutes is tough you know they, they tend to find new ways and I, I th- I, it's something city have done before i know i know that I know the center backs come out of defense but I've noticed it more and more in recent weeks. Ah, uh, John Stones has done it a couple of times in recent games. He carried the ball up. You know, there's there's nobody pressing him, so he'll just keep carrying the ball. Uh, and Emery Laporte did it at Goodison, and that's what brought the goal. He, he 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 joined the attack. Kevin De Bruyne got involved. It broke back to Laporte, who hit the bar. Balls down, and there there's Ilkay Gundogan on the spot as he has been so many times in in the second half of this season. And that that's that's all it took. And once that goal had gone in, he kind of thought Everton are. You know they're not going to come back from that, and sure enough, they didn't. And City had the second one, so it's you know it's testimony to the fact that City are so much more secure. Uh, Everton played well, but you still always thought that you were favourites to win the game, and that's what that's what's got them into this position where they're so close now in in four different competitions. So,
0: it was another kind of great finish from De Bruyne. I think that makes it four in his last four starts now, especially after the kind of the, the thunderbolt he scored against Gladbach last week. Is he finally kind of, after a horrific Manchester derby, one of his perhaps his worst performances in a blue shirt, is he now kind of getting back to his best and kind of scoring from open play again? I think the first half of the season, he mostly only scored from the penalty spot, if that, or three kicks. Whereas compared to last year, he'd reached double figures by this point, if I'm not mistaken.
1: Yeah, he's been quite poor in front of goal all season, really, um, and not scored the goals that he he should have done. But um, obviously in the Champions League, it was one hell of a strike and he took his goal very, very well against Everton. So promising signs. I think with with De Bruyne, when he kind of comes back from from injury or uh, when he's not been in the best form, he's he's got this knack of being able to pick up goals or or assists even when he's not playing playing that well, which obviously hugely hugely helped the team and but also help him back to back to his best. So um I mean City will hope that during the international break he can get into even more of a rhythm and kind of be, be even better for uh for when when they return because I, I don't think there'll be too many games uh of the ones left where you want to leave him on the bench for.
0: And what what have you made of De Bruyne's season, Stu? And is he finally kind of coming into form at the best possible time with the kind of business end of the Champions League approaching?
1: Yeah, I mean
2: I I thought he he didn't he didn't start the season brilliantly but nobody did and i think of course once city got going this season he got injured so he got taken out he was out out for a few games when city were at the best uh and then he's, he's got to come back in and like i said he always seems to contribute even when he's not playing well he'll pop up with a goal he'll, he'll pop up with an assist a couple of, i can't remember which game it was now where he plunked one on ruben Diaz's head he was having a he was having a really poor game and he plonked a plonked a, like a 50 40 50 yard pass onto ruben Diaz's head
1: and which game was it, Sorry, You're better at these things than me. I it's similar for uh, John Stones against Crystal Palace, didn't he?
2: Yeah, yeah, he, he does that. He'll produce something West in the game that, that will West win you Tam. a game. Yes, yeah, it was West Ham. He'll do something in the game, even when he's not playing well. He didn't in the derby, of course. Um, but he, he quite often comes up with something. But there are signs that he's really starting to motor now, as far as I can see. He's scoring goals again. And he's, he's producing little moments. He's influencing games. And that, that's that's absolutely key. We're at a crunch part of the season. And Kevin De Bruyne, you would have to say, you know, taking everything into consideration, in the last five years, he's been City's best player. Last season, he was head and shoulders the best player. But that's mainly because nobody else Stood up in the way that he did this season. He's dragged others up with him uh, to his level, and uh, if he's if he's fully fit and in form going into the last part of the season, and the rest can sustain their form and stay fit I mean the international break's important in that uh, you know getting everybody back okay if they can go into it with that they've got a great chance of doing something quite special this season
0: Another midfielder who played well against Everton and you wrote kind of about him after the game Fernandinho he's only got a few months left in his contract at the minute but you were saying that well it's clear that he should be given another one he's earned it whereas maybe is in a similar boat hasn't quite yet justified giving himself a new deal on performances alone but Fernandinho 35 years young still kind of running about and putting in performances like
2: he's 25. Yeah, it gives it gives you a different option to Rodri. I mean, I think Rodri has been underrated by a lot of people this season. I think he's been been excellent. I think he's he's done a done a terrific job in that role, but Fernandinho gives you something else. I think his passing is better and his circulation is slightly better than Rodri's. Rodri's really good under 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 pressure with his passing and his possession. I think Fernandinho gives you a, a wider range of passing and he's still I know Rodri's had a, two seasons now. But Fernandinho is still more comfortable in, in that role in some ways, bringing the ball out of defence and just and spreading those passes out. Uh Rodri's getting there in terms of that. I think he's he's improved enormously. But if Fernandinho could still play twice a week, I think we'd probably have seen more of him. He's not he's not been playing as many games. But when he has played, I think he's looked he's looked class. On the other side, of course, it was noticeable when Pep was talking about when City were at their low point of the season after the West Brom game, but when they decided to change things, the coaching team got together, and he mentioned Fernandinho's name as getting the players together. Now here's the senior pro, the thirty-five-year-old, getting everybody together and saying, "Right, boys, this isn't good enough. This is Manchester City. We shouldn't be in mid-table. We should be up there." Press, right? What we're we going to do about it? And he, so that leadership, you know, that's what Vincent Company would have done. Uh, and we've talked a lot about how much City have missed Vincent company. And I know Ruben Diaz has added added some of that on the field, and I'm sure he has off the field as well. I'm sure he's a big voice in the dressing room off the field. But that experience that Fernandinho's got, these young lads look up to him uh, and listen to him. He's been there. He's won the title. He's he's won umpteen things. He's, He's got a load of caps for Brazil. He's a voice that knows what he's talking about. He knows Manchester City inside out. He knows Pep Guardiola's system inside out. And that, that's absolutely crucial, you know, in terms of going forward and, and moving on. Uh, and another season, or even two, because he's so fit, you know, he's so lean. And he he, he knows his own body now. And he's, he's sort of pushed... I, I asked the guy... I asked, I spoke to Gareth Barry a couple of months ago, and and of course he went on till thirty nine, and he and he made that point, you know, that he's a smart player who knows his own game, knows his own limitations, and as long as you know that, you can keep going and keep going. And Gareth Barry played in the Premier League up until his, his last season, so you know there's no reason why Fernandinho can't go on for one season more, at least for me.
0: Uh, you're nodding along their side. You, you do you agree with kind of Stu's thinking? Like to me, it is like a no-brainer. Even I agree. Like even I think Aguero, for the same kind of leadership and seniority reasons, but for that you know outbursts about being passed to a side, should be kept as well. Probably because you can't judge him on a season that, where he's been. You know, unfortunate with injuries and coronavirus and such. But yeah, Fernandinho, you were there on Saturday. How did you rate his performance? And again, do you see City kind of keeping him for another
1: year or two? Uh, I, th- I think it's down to him city will absolutely bite his hand off if he wants to stay because they know how how good he is there was a tie he played centre-back obviously all last season and he started to be dropped into kind of holding midfield again towards the back end of that season and he looked really clunky and rusty and even at the start of this season really it didn't really gel and you started to wonder you know this guy's 35 is he is he past it is he towards the end of, you know, his career at the top level, have City moved on in that holding midfield role. But the answer is no, since he's found his fitness. Lightstuve says he can't play every week, but when he does play now, he's he's phenomenal. He he was dropped in at uh, the Emirates in the league game the other week and he was the best player on the pitch. He played at Everton, he was the best player on the pitch. Guardiola said after the game he just needs to keep his fitness over the international break, basically, because when he does drop his fitness he uh, he can't be be relied upon as well. But I mean, they've sort of reached a point in that holding midfield role that you didn't think was possible, where they've now got two players. It's almost like having Aguero or Jesus. It's just like which weapons you want to bring to this yeah. killer game.
0: They like rotate a bit just to keep them both fresh. And to, don't forget that Gundogan can always fit in there. You know, his best season up until now at City was the uh, season when they just beat Liverpool when he was playing in that position all year. Fernandinho's injury is what spurned them to go and buy Rodri. So they've got three defensive midfielders that can easily kind of fill in there. You know, Tommy Doyle's done well when he's come in there. So it seems like they're well-stocked in that position for a few years to come. And, you know, if Fernandinho does say, I think he's talked a lot of how he wants to return to Brazil for the end of his career and play um, back in his home country. So even if they did lose Fernandinho,
1: I still feel like they are well-stocked in that position anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Um, Sorry, a bit of a delay there. Um, yeah, they are. They are obviously well stocked. But I think what Fernandinho has shown this season is that you know having him is better than not having him. And as mm-hmm. as as Stu mentioned, like it cannot be underestimated how how important he has been as a captain this year because you know getting the players together and basically knocking the heads together. Is a big reason in what's helped turn around the team.
0: And so the the victory of it and the award for that has been a semi final against Chelsea City were kind of unlocking not to get perhaps the easier draws against either Southampton or Leicester. But considering the amount of easy draws they've had for the last three years in cup competitions, it's about time they got a bit of a, a bit of a stick instead of a carrot. But say. You weren't here last week when we was talking about Dortmund in the quarterfinals of the Champions League as well. What, what do you reckon of the kind of Chelsea, um, city's kind of standings in all the cup competitions they've got coming up now? And you know, is quadru- is the quadruple which Guardiola was quick to dismiss when Zinchenko suggested it? But is it like a distinct possibility now? It feels like we're closer than any other club has ever been. And there was obviously talk of Liverpool doing it at one stage, but they kind of crashed out of the um, Carabao Cup. Oh, I think it was quite early. To to Aston Villa, didn't they? When they played the kids, it seems like City are like the, the strong, you know, in the, the strongest position that any team's ever going to be.
1: Uh, I'm sure Stu will pick you up on it as well, but uh, this idea of easy cup draws—I
0: <laughs> could Not feel enough. the scalding look through the <laughs> through the
1: Zoom yeah. screen. Well, um, I mean, interestingly, I, um, I I looked on Saturday because I was driving to Everton and uh, heard about Cheltenham winning. And I it, so Cheltenham are top of League Two, and yeah. I think if they if they get promoted, it will be it will mean that all of five seasons under Guardiola, they have played a lower league team in the Cup that have got promoted. Oh, that's and interesting. There's I, I think those kind of teams are so much harder to play than like Crystal Palace, who can't give a monkeys about the FA Cup, or like you know a lower league Premier, he's, a lower. He's a, building a, up to a Wigan plug. <laughs> <laughs> was to Wigan plug here I can tell Wigan, Wigan were one of those teams you know they got promoted from League One and they beat, beat them in the FA Cup that year um, but 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 they are so much harder to beat a team that is used to winning and knows mm-hmm. fully and is fully confident in their identity than say like Newcastle so so even I mean partly City have drawn a lot of lower league teams because they've Played more cup games than anyone because they take cup games seriously, unlike a lot of other teams. But um, but also, you know, I think when people say, "Oh, they've drawn like Swansea," and you're like, "Well, actually, Swansea are really good." So yeah, that's that that's my rant over about that. Yeah, I think they they're well placed for the quadruple. I think Chelsea are going to be a very tough opponent. I think Guardiola mm. will do a lot of fretting about this Chelsea side. He like, I mean, he already liked the Chelsea squad, but. Thomas Tuchel is a manager who he rates enormously. So that is is going to be one of the toughest games left this season. I think it is the hardest draw they could have had in the FA Cup, especially with United are out, not because United are a better team than Chelsea necessarily, just because they always have this weird way of Mm -hmm. beating City and extending Solskjaer's time in the job. So (laughs) things and roundabouts. But yeah, they're as well set up as I think they've, they've ever been to win four trophies. It remains a massive long shot because there's so much that can go against them. But they're, they're in a really good position and they look mm-hmm. probably more stable than they've ever looked.
0: Um, and what did you reckon to the Champions League draw?
1: Yeah, uh, Dortmund were one of the probably two easiest teams left in it to get. Dortmund and Porto, I would have said, mm-hmm. um, would be the ones to, to aim for. Um, but then obviously the defence are not going to have it easy against Haaland there's only probably Lewandowski that could rival them and uh, Mbappe I suppose and they will come up against one of Mbappe and Lewandowski in the semi-final should they should they make it I think they're definitely in the harder uh, section of the draw with with that potential semi-final because um, you know Ch- Chelsea, Porto, Liverpool and Real Madrid there is nothing that you've seen from any of those teams that would would worry you as much as um, Either Bayern or PSG and sort of maybe Haaland.
0: Absolutely. So Stu, how do you kind of rate City's quadruple chances this season? Like is it is it kind of you know, Guardiola is so quick to dismiss it. Is it because he just doesn't want his players thinking that far ahead or does he genuinely surely behind the scenes he's thinking, you know, history could be
2: made here? I'm sure he's thinking out behind the scenes. I mean he 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 pretty much slapped Zinchenko down for Suggesting that it was uh, it was something that the players were thinking about, and I asked him about it last week, Pep, and he said he said you know he's 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 not said anything to his players about it, and he's quite happy for them to dream, but he doesn't want them thinking about it. You know he, he wants them all he wants them thinking about is is the very next game, which is his mantra all along. I think he's I think Pep's right in saying that it's almost impossible. There are so many moments of jeopardy in football. You know the, you think of the great teams that we've had down the years since the league cup started so like six in the last 60 years there've been some absolutely top class teams and none of them have managed it and there's a reason for that because even if you're the best team in the league by a mile which city have been this season things happen you know football has a way of throwing things up you know it can be a dodgy penalty it can be just a a ball deflecting off somebody's backside and going into the corner and to get those things going for you all season um just defies the laws of probability uh and i don't I mean, you can't rule it out uh, because they're in—they're in the final of one competition, the semi-final of another, the quarterfinal of the Champions League, and they should have the league wrapped up. I worked out it was eleven games, I think, eleven games, eleven wins away um, from from winning all four, uh, which is definitely not beyond this City team. But you look at the quality they're up against: Chelsea in the in the cup semi-final, Spurs will be tough in the Carabao Cup final uh Dortmund will be difficult as I said and then you get through that one and you've got uh, the two teams who are probably with city the, the three best in the world at the moment and then you've got a final on top of that where anything can happen it's it's just so so difficult even even for a, the only thing i would say is that city now are so much more controlled in the way they play the games you know in the past they've been they've been a bit hit and miss, if if they attack you and score, they're going to win, but they might concede. Now they don't look as likely to concede and they're controlling games to a greater extent probably than they've ever done. And that gives them an added chance, but still extremely tough, extremely tough.
0: Well, you mentioned Holland there, Si. He's been on international duty this week with Norway's and Spain ahead of a World Cup qualifier against Gibraltar, and it's surely going to be exciting to see how many goals he can score against them. Um, but yeah, when he was speaking in a press conference, he's been—he was obviously asked loads about his future. He said, "I still have three years in my contract. I'm not stressing or worried about his future at the minute." He's pointed out that <laughs> he was asked what a team would need for him to sign, and of course, he gave the most obvious answer on planet Earth, in which he said, "They will need to want me. Well, obviously, or else you wouldn't—they wouldn't be going for you anyway." It looks like, increasingly, like he's going to be the summer transfer saga of the coming window. Sancho seems like, you know, he's only a year older, Sancho, but he seems already kind of put into the pasture compared to Haaland, who is like literally the new, exciting, big thing. City want him, City want a striker. Are they going to get him, is the question.
1: I think they are more, I think they are better place to get Haaland than they are to win the quadruple. And I think they're wow. pretty well place to win the quadruple. So um, Yeah, I mean, you know, he's... He's the the striker that every top team wants to buy and City are no exception. They they they're in the fortunate position whereby striker has been their priority position marked out for this window since since last year or even further back. So there is, you know, a lot of money set aside for him. He would not cost it he'll cost, you know, a, a huge amount of money, you know, maybe ninety hundred million, but that is not out of city's. Out, out of City's range, really. Um, and they also have, uh, you know, a sell-on clause for, for Jadon Sancho um, that could potentially be used to uh, to help oh. any negotiations with, with Haaland. They, you know, uh, Erling's dad, obviously, uh, big connections with City. Um, they've got that connection. And while there has been sort of issues between Guardiola and Mino Raiola in the past, I don't think City are in any worse position with Rayola than say United or Chelsea. You know, United have had a lot of issues with Rayola themselves. So I, I really do think City are in an excellent place to to sign Haaland. And you mentioned him saying, Oh, they they uh will have to want to sign me. Well, City are excellent at making players feel like they really want to sign them and they've they've beaten a few, they're beating all the top clubs to to a few players through that, and uh, I think, yeah, I just think I, th- I think they're the favourites to sign him.
0: Yes, G, Like City, well, as the con to the bookmakers, Holland, City are odds on to sign Haaland. It's going to be a weird kind of transfer race because it looks like your normal contenders. You'd think you know, Real Madrid and Barcelona both are kind of in a bit of financial troubles. Barcelona, especially, you can't really see either of them. Having the the money to kind of go for a move that, as I said, is going to cost you have fight at least hundred million. Bayern, who every other good t- player from Dortmund usually goes to, have still have Lewandowski. Who doesn't like his slowing down. So why would you know? You wouldn't think they'd need to get Haaland already, um, even though that would be the most depressingly boring transfer ever because Bayern would win everything for <laughs> for years to come if they did sign him. But so it seems like it's just going to be a, unless Juventus going to get involved. But again, they have money issues with their Ronaldo experiment. It seems like it's going to be a Premier League destination. There's City, there's United, who maybe have a, an attraction because of the Solskjaer link, but certainly not more in a football capacity. And then Chelsea, it doesn't seem like Liverpool are going to be interested either. They they haven't really been linked that heavily. And again, a team that doesn't really like to spend that much. It's it's going to be, for a team, for a player that's attracting so much interest, it might look like City are in like a three-horse
2: race, at be best. Yeah, you always do look at the opposition and have a look at you know what state they're in. Bayern would be the one that I would be concerned about because you could see the attraction for Haaland there already playing in in Germany, you know, and there's still a a huge draw. Uh, Like you say, Real Madrid and Barcelona have got financial difficulties, although I noticed this week that the the sort of Real Madrid Associated Press have started talking that story up, you know, Haaland going to Madrid, which I always do. It doesn't necessarily mean anything, but uh, that that clamour has started already. Uh, I was talking to a French journalist last week who's quite close to PSG, uh, and he said that he's not hearing any noises about Haaland, uh to PSG. Messi is their big project for this summer. That's who they really want. And if they if they can land, you know, they're, they're kind of putting their eggs in that particular basket. So, like you say, it does it does start to narrow down whether whether Bayern would would want him for the reasons you gave. Who knows? But you know, he's, he's young. He's got plenty of time ahead of him so why not go for him and then you come down to the english clubs chelsea have spent a load of money on a, you know a couple of forwards just recently united united have got bigger fish to fry well they've got other positions to fill i know they do need a striker but they they, they need other positions. they need the center back they need another midfielder uh they've, they've got they've got places to fill unless they can off they can sell pogba and get a load of money for him which i don't think they will because Who's going to buy him for a load of money? You know, I, I think United would be looking at a huge spend if they're going for Haaland and buying the other positions they need. City's position is quite beautiful, really, for them because you could foresee them signing one player this summer and and getting and still having a a, a good enough squad to to do really really well next season. If they had add a to what they've got now, obviously is a, is if Fernandinho goes, he might need to try and look at another midfielder, but fernandinho stays for another season the only the only player who there's a big doubt about is, is aguero possibly a left back mendy but they, again they could get by with that with what they've got uh, with Cancelo and, and zinchenko so you know city could put everything into just getting hold of Haaland. and if they have a, a spend you know if it takes 90 million 100 million that's quite a low spend for them in a in a summer transfer window So they have that advantage as well. You know, he could be their project. If PSG's project is messy, City's project could be Haaland. United need more. United couldn't challenge for the title next season simply by buying Haaland, although he would be a a major asset for them. Uh, And I think that that could give City an edge on top of all the reasons Sy said about his City connections. You know, he was a City fan as a boy. Alfie Haaland's still got a affection for City and, and the fans have for him as well, uh, so you know, it, it, it's kind of written in the stars, but there's an awful lot an awful lot of ground to be gone over until uh, until they could start thinking about it seriously.
0: Yeah, it does seem like everything's like a perfectly aligned for City, as you say, they planned so meticulously to want a striker at this point, just as the biggest new striker star comes to the fore, and I, I think you're right that like Chelsea and United both, if they do spend money this summer, are going to be probably looking at defence and midfield more so than a striker. Chelsea, especially after spending so much on Werner, zh and Havertz, um, the previous summer. But um, are there any other options side for City? Because Stu mentions Messi, like City at one stage were the team to get Messi. Is that kind of you know, does that thing? Messi's still not got a new contract at Barca, so it still looks like you know they've got a new president now and things may get rosier um, for his perspective, especially if they turn it around and win the league out of nowhere. Um, of course, City have randomly been linked with Danny Ings this uh, this past uh, on Monday, which is a strange one, to say the least. Um, are there any other options that City could be looking at at the striker? Is Messi kind of a, a, a dead horse
1: now? Uh, I think City are always interested in Lionel Messi if he's available and I think if the opportunity arises for them to sign both Haaland and Messi I think they'd they'd very much consider it. Um, I could I could see it happening, I could see it not happening as well but I think uh, because of what Messi brings kind of as his brand um, I don't think it would be that much of a, a financial hit to get Messi on a free transfer. Um, his wages would be enormous and you've got a potential knock-on of other players needing wage increases on the back of that but the money that you bring into the to man city and the city football group on the back of it i don't think it will be kind of so much of a hit that you won't be able to sign harland as well because as Stu says like they've the rest of the squad is fine you know there might be a surprise departure or two from the squad but the the squad is strong enough to um to be able to to have success on its own. So if you add Haaland to it, it's gonna be even better. If you add Haaland and Messi, it's gonna be well, well, we're we're talking just ludicrous territory here. But um but yeah, but you know there are doubts over whether Aguero will continue and you know the, the, the squad as it is is such that it, it it's not unthinkable to uh to imagine that City could sign both both Haaland and, and Messi this year. Um I and think, Danny Ings. <laughs> I think Messi... Go for all I, three, again, push the boat on. <laughs> yeah, if, if it's a choice between Messi and Ings, um, I think Messi would, would win out. Oh. I, I, Yeah, that that's where they're at, I think.
0: If you could have a choice, Stu, between Haaland and Messi, you only signed one. You obviously have one corner, the best player potentially ever. On the other corner, a striker who could potentially go on to become one of the best strikers ever. You know, he's already scored like 100 goals and he's only 20 years old. Which one do you
2: pick? Haaland all the way, no doubt about that. Mm. You know, his goal record is absolutely phenomenal. Is it forty eight and forty seven or something 49
0: like that? Forty nine and forty nine now
2: for Dortmund. Oh, is it? Yeah. Oh, I'm, 11 I'm a week behind, but, yeah. you know, obviously Messi's incredible, but he's at he's at the wrong end of his career. You know, I'm sure he'd give City a season or two seasons of absolutely top class, but Haaland could be there for ten years. He could do he could be another Aguero, you know, he could be the next legend Messi isn't going to be that at City uh, simply because time is going to run out and it'd be brilliant to see the pair of them absolutely you know it, it's exciting enough going to watch City as it is uh, although unfortunately the fans haven't been really able to do that for a while but going to watch a City that's got those two in the in the lineup would be uh would be quite staggering uh so yeah I mean I, I'd go Haaland go for youth and, and that's that's what you know Messi's an exception but City buy young if they can these days it's not always possible but even centre-backs you're buying a 23 year old Ruben Diaz uh they, they're buying teams that they're buying so that they'll have a team in five years time you can already see that team evolving uh they've got so many young players in the team already to bring another one in of Harland's class you you think about that team in in five years time if it's got Harland and Foden and Diaz you know Kevin De Bruyne will still be there as like a as like the, the Fernandinho figure if you like it's just going to have so much class and quality that they, they could, they could go on and dominate. They could they could dominate like no other team has done in Premier League history, even though there are a lot of good Premier League teams around. So yeah, it's got to be, it's got to be Haaland all over. I mean, Messi, we talked about Messi nearly joining City and he, he didn't join them when, when he was at his lowest ebb, you know, he'd fallen out with a club. He'd almost gone to war with the club and then he turned, he sat down, his version is he sat down with his family. Who his kids were crying about coming to Manchester. Somebody should have told them what it's like. How great it <laughs> is! But uh, so and and he didn't. He he turned his back on the chance then. So you kind of think another year down the line, he's got a president in place who's he's got a much better relationship with. Things seem to have calmed down a lot with him. City have always said, you know, the people you talk to at City, you know Messi on a personal level. So it's Pep. Peron Soriano, mm-hmm. Chiqui they all say, they think that, that he will end his career at Barcelona. End of. Uh, if he didn't, they would be top of the queue to sign him. Uh, I think Messi is closer to Barcelona now than he was when he didn't sign for City last time. So I, I don't see it happening. You never know. Things change very quickly in football. Uh, he might he might have a road to Damascus mm-hmm. moment and and his kids might realise that Manchester is is actually far nicer than Barcelona. <laughs> and then uh, and then it, it could happen. But, you know, in terms of who City go for, it's got to be Haaland. It's got to be their number one team.
0: Well, only time will tell um, when the summer transfer window comes, if City can kind of get their man and who they bring in. It's surely going to be a kind of a, an exciting summer. But as we said, we're in an international break now. Uh, all eyes, I'm sure, will be on Haaland's uh, performances for Norway. See if you can play as well in a team who probably don't have as much creative kind of um, players behind him, as he does at Dortmund. See so if you can still bang him in there. I'm sure we will have no problem against Gibraltar, as I said earlier. But what are we kind of looking forward to in the international break side, uh, apart from the rest from going to games, of course? Stones is in the England squad. He fully deserves it. And that, like, to me, it seems ahead of England's Euros, the centre-back has been the, the most kind of position that England have struggled in that and left-back. You know, we have about eight really good right-backs and only two decent left-backs. And then centre back has been a problem for a while, but it now seems like Stones coming in alongside Maguire has solved all of Southgate's issues in that position uh, this season.
1: Yeah, I mean we wait and see what you know Stones and Maguire are like as a as a partnership again. But <laughs> it's going to
0: go bad in it, it when they're both good in isolation. But as soon as you put them together, it's just going to be a calamity. I'm so scared.
1: <laughs> I, I mean, I, I sort of maintain that Stones can't be as good for England as he has been for for City. Um, I remember when he made a few mistakes in the the Nations League, sort of. Yeah, against Holland it was. 2019 and uh, I think it was Kevin De Bruyne who was asked about those mistakes and kind of said, well, you take a player who, you take a player from a team where everyone knows what he's going to do and he knows what everyone's going to do and you put him in that England team like you can't expect him to be. as good but it is um, looking a lot rosier for for England certainly at the beginning of the season Stones wasn't in the City team Harry Maguire was uh, having his struggles after uh, his his Greek tragedy and uh, there was plenty that was struggling Um, the team looked flat so hopefully you know they've got a resurgent Stones they've got a resurgent Luke Shaw at left back right back so good that Trent Alexander-Arnold can't get in the squad. And, yeah, um, chance to try out a few goalkeepers. It's looking like a, a much more stable England team. Just hope they start Phil Foden.
0: Yeah, well, that is the question, Stu. Uh, we're not going to have time to talk about Foden in depth today, but even though he's still been really good this season, it still seems like he finds himself down the in order, a bit under pep. It feels like when Sterling and Mahrez and Bernardo and everyone else, when everyone else is fit, it always feels like Foden is the one who drops out, even though the last two games he has started coming back in again. But is he, you no, know, is this his time for England to, you know, three games against uh, San Marino? I'm sure you'll have a joy there. Um, Poland and Albania, I think England face over this next two weeks. Is this the time when especially with Grealish, Madison, Sancho and a few others out, Harvey Barnes as well. Is this the time when Foden really kind of stamps his mark on being a permanent member of that England side 11
2: Well, I loathe international breaks with a passion. I've just got virtually no interest in international football whatsoever. I'll watch the games, I'll watch them where I can because it's part of my job. But, uh, but one thing I am looking forward to is seeing how Foden does for England because I think he's been brilliant for City this season. Uh, like you say, he doesn't play every game, but... I, People forget because he's been on the scene a while. He's still only 20, you know, and playing a player of that age, we you know, we should learn from history. You should keep playing these players. Deli Alley did it. Deli Alley played in, I think, 35. He broke, broke into the Spurs team, played in 35 of the 38 games in his first season, I think it was. Second season, started the same. And what happened? He went, they've lost a season or two from him because he's, he's just, you go off, you, you burn out. He's too much. You, you know, you're at an age where you've got... There are players wow. who are exceptional, and I've, I've done it. I mean, Wayne Rooney is one, but people... There is a theory that Wayne Rooney has chopped off the end of his career by playing so much early in his career. And would you just mention Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, I, I remember... Uh, I don't know why I remember this, but I remember Carl Robinson, the Milton Keynes manager, who's a big Liverpool fan, talking about Alexander-Arnold. And warning, warning, Klopp, don't keep playing him because he's, you know... He's only a kid. He's only 19, 20 years old. He's playing in every single game. There's a real danger of burnout. That went unheeded. Alexander Arnold, I, was, I only know this stat because I did a piece about it yesterday. Alexander Arnold played in 90 percent of Liverpool's games last season. And look at him now, you know, if there's ever a burnout, it's him. he, he can't put a foot right. He, he physically doesn't look right. He mentally doesn't look right. He's out of the England squad. And it could take him a, a while. I, I mean, I think the lad's class, I think he's a really good player and he'll come back from it, but Liverpool have lost him, and England have lost him, and I think that's down to Klopp overplaying him, you know, he played Van Dyke in every game, he can play Salah and Mane and Firmino, because these are are more senior pros, they know their bodies better, their bodies aren't still growing, mentally they're stronger, they're they're used to the, the impact, but someone like Foden, uh, and Alexander Arnold and deli Alli give him a bit more space and a bit more time, and you see Foden when he comes in now. He's exciting because he's, he's, you know, he doesn't do it every game. But again, that's down with him being young. But he'll come in and he's he looks fresh and he looks sharp, you know, and he's bouncing around the place uh, and he, he's having an impact in most games that he plays in. And I still think we're going to see we're going to see a big impact from Foden between now and the end of the season. We're going to see him do big things uh, in important games. And that will be down. And when he does that, everyone will say, oh, Pep's a genius because he's managed him just right. (laughs) Because when he's not in the team, Pep's not managing him right at all. He needs to leave. He needs to get away. When he comes in and does something exceptional... Oh, he's managed, he's got him absolutely bang on. He's not played him every game. He's, that is the right way. I mean, Pep knows what he's doing. When we're going to realise this, you know, he's not leaving him out just to be spiteful. He's not leaving him out for any other reason other than he needs to be left out sometimes. And it's keeping him fresh. It's keeping him sharp. It's preventing that burnout. And and City will... will Reap the benefit of that in the long run, and that includes this season.
0: Well, and hopefully England uh, reap the benefit too, and he has a massive impact in this summer's Euros because I've got the final off and the day after, I certainly want to be using that time to good effect and celebrating an England win. Um, lads, that's everything for today, but we're we're in the international break. Um, we've you know it's not um, the same sort of day to day kind of um city coverage as we usually do um as there's no matches and stuff and press conferences to cover so we're, what are we doing side this uh this next two weeks um what are we writing for the big long reads at the weekend i know you've just done a really exciting interview um with somebody from mumbai city haven't you
1: <laughs> yeah it was uh, it was very interesting actually mumbai one of uh, the the teams in the city football group yeah i think a bit of sort of deeper analysis of the the season that's that's gone for man city and sort of how they've they've turned it around a few Longer reads like that, and then I look at Mumbai City and other aspects of the of Man City and the City Football Group that we don't normally get to to touch on um, in the when there's two games a week. So uh, I, I mean. Yeah, it's uh, it's not quite the same as when there are when there are games on. I'm sure the the quadruple chase will be much more exciting. But it, it's it's nice in its own way to have a bit of uh, space and time to look at things that we don't normally get to.
2: Well, what have you got coming down the pipeline, Stu? Well, I've got one in the pipeline. I don't know when it's coming out, but I've I've done a piece. You know, it, it set me thinking. People talking about the number of games that City have, have been playing midweek to the weekend, and it, it dragged me back to 1986 when City actually played United in the derby on the Saturday, and then they played a cup final at Wembley against Chelsea on the Sunday. But so it was two games in 24 hours, which was just completely nuts. And, and i got hold of uh, Mark Lillis, who, who played up front for City in both games. And he he's a, I mean, I, I, I know Mark from, from when he played for Stockport back in the 90s as well. But he, he was really lively and really interesting and fun on, on those two games. And, and also some of the fans' experiences, fans who, who went to um who went to old trafford at the scoreboard end and and the thing was typical city both games they stays incredible comebacks without getting anything well they came back from 2-0 down in the derby to draw two two United were going for the title at the time and then in in the in the Wembley final they were five one down with five minutes to go and got it back to five four and he had fans turning oh, around and running uh, back into the stadium. So it was hmm. a typically nuts City weekend where they uh, they didn't have a great team at that time, but they uh, they had they had quite a, an exceptionally balmy weekend. And uh, so I've written a piece all about that. Well, it really does
0: sound interesting. Actually, can't wait to read it because that does sound mad.
2: You don't um, need to read it now. I've, I've just told you the whole thing. So, well,
0: that's true. Yeah, but it's good to get different perspectives and get the you know care from a uh, Mike the list, was it? So, and everyone else, if you want to read that piece, please go over to the Manchester Evening News for slash Man City for all the city coverage of the international break. And I'm sure we'll be back with another podcast before um, City are back in action after the international break. I have no idea who they're against because all the games just blend into one at the stage. Anyone can help me. Leicester an exciting one to come back to a tough one to come back to so it will be very intriguing to see a City do of course you can follow us all on Twitter um, I'm at Dan Murphy MEN size at a thing i can't pronounce so you're gonna have to do it so
1: sp badger
0: and uh stew is that stew brennan
2: Brennan, m-e-n
0: Yep. there we go got that and of course you can get all our work at man city m-e-n you can go on facebook at facebook.com uh manchester city m-e-n you'll find it if you search us i don't have the exact uh url don't shoot me anyway thank you very much for listening give us a rate give us a share you know all the gist. and uh we'll see you soon